welcome to the Found Cause. We're Found Cause and Serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my right is Sebastian, the bookkeeper. Sebastian, you have been gone for a while. You've grown a goatee. In the meantime, how have you been? I've been doing great. Getting tan in Croatia. Oh yeah, living it up in Croatia. Well, me and Theodore have just been back at home um, talking to Mormons, and we had some kind of viral video for our our channel. Oh, I saw with David Alexander. So this is an exciting Found Cause happenings. Uh, but he's back. We're gonna to try to get our own viral video this time with Tick History, who looks really handsome um, in this still frame we've got of him. Basics are: I found Tick History, Sebastian found him separately, and mm-hmm. we both realized that this episode of Tick History's channel, which we very much appreciate, um, was totally wrong on one basis. So we wanted to do a little bit of it, like a little five-minute clip of this video, um, to show why Tick History, who's normally right in a lot of stuff, we respect him a lot, was totally dead wrong when it comes to Christianity and its origins. So. Uh, maybe Sebastian, you can give like a little synopsis of what Tick History does, and then we can get into how he's wrong here. Yeah. Again, we both find this channel separately. Great content. It's mostly, at least what I've seen, focus on the World War, mm-hmm. tactics by German, Soviet generals, battles, analysis of um, strategies. Great stuff. I really like the channel. Also talks about political systems. He really dove into the intricacies of national socialism, which I found fascinating how the German state actually worked. Great stuff. And now in this, I think three videos he did more or less recently, a few months ago. (coughs) It's on the background behind the ideology that drove um, the German regime in World War II. So was was it religious? What, what was the what was the what was the driving factor behind that? And right. he gets many things right, but then when it comes to Christianity, he falls flat on his face. Unfortunately, again, love the channel. We have to address this big, big oopsie. Yeah, and again, it's a surprising channel for us to react to because usually we react to explicitly religious people, and Tick is pretty non-religious. But he has made weird Christianity comments in the past, and this one I just thought was so egregious that we should talk about it. Because again, me and Sebastian thoroughly appreciate his tank content. Again, whatever, like, (laughs) that's not usually relevant to the Found Cause channel, but we like his history stuff. Um, And his explanation of the economics of the Nazi regime are really fascinating, and also Soviet regime and a lot of other economic factors. So that's cool. Um, but again, his understanding of how the underlying religion that is behind Nazism and socialism works is kind of odd. And, and he thinks it's an epiphany on, and he connects basically all ungodly systems of economics and government to Gnosticism, um, which we've talked about Gnosticism in depth in the past several videos mm-hmm. on it. Um, I know Theodore is decently passionate on it, but Sebastian is like super duper passionate on it and has many sources to, to quote. So we're pretty well versed in true Gnosticism. And uh, without further ado, we should really let him talk on why we disagree. Mm-hmm. But uh, Gnosticism in, in short, Sebastian, what would be Gnosticism? Because by this point in the video, at 19 minutes in, he's explained it. He's, he explains it fairly well. Mm-hmm. It's just his connection that it has with Christianity that falls flat on its face. Gnosticism, in summary, grew out in opposition to Christianity. It used to be extremely hostile at first by Sethian Gnosticism. There are many branches. Eventually, some like um, Valentinian, Marcion people in the first, second century, they develop forms that try to... Um, corrupt Christianity or steal things from Christianity. So in essence, they say the God of the Old Testament is evil and Jesus is sent by the true God, the Lord of light, whatever you want to call him, the the one, the the source of everything, whatever different groups have different names for that God that you cannot know and unknowable. And 
uh, it's in stark in stark stark opposition mm -hmm. to the god of the old testament that is invented the material world doomed humans to be stuck here in the physical realm and what we need to do according to gnostics is through secret teachings and practice escape reality physical reality and go back to cease to exist and join with the one the source of everything right and and what i think the the general mistake that tick makes even before up to this point where he talks about christianity is he's conflating just because something has a similarity to gnosticism does not mean that it is gnostic I think we'd all agree with that. He thinks that because Gnosticism is parasitic, meaning it jumps on of other religions and just basically tries to take them over, which I totally agree with. It tried to jump on Christianity. It tries to jump on Zoroastrianism. It tries to jump on a lot of things. Um, that any anything that has a, a shared similarity with Gnosticism must have been taken over by it, right? It must have been parasited by it. Um, but we would disagree. We would say that Gnosticism is a religion like any other, and so it has a lot of similarities to other movements. Um, but it itself is not Nazism. Nazism is not Gnosticism, and Gnosticism is not um, Zoroastrianism or Manichaeism or other religions that we don't agree with. Um, so I agree that Nazism, National Socialism, is a religion, um, and it shares similarities with Gnosticism, but it is not Gnosticism. And so that's why his video is called The Real Religion Behind National Socialism. I think that's misleading. It's like saying the real religion behind Christianity is Judaism. I mean, Christianity is originated from Judaism, but it is different. Like if you took, mm -hmm. talk to Jews today, they would say that Christians aren't Jews. Um, now we would say we're the true Israel or whatever else, but like Christianity is not Judaism because it has different tenets. Um, and in the same way, na National Socialism is not Gnosticism, even if it shares similar origins. Yeah. Likewise, we wouldn't say Hinduism is Gnostic, even though there are very similar ideas, such mm -hmm. as escaping reality and going to Nirvana. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So mm -hmm. just similar, but not doesn't mean they're the same because gnosticism if, if if anything has definitions gnosticism is defined by there is a true god that the current god of the world is not that good true god and that he's deceiving the nations to make them think that he is the true god and that we need to fight him um, and fight physical reality because he's the creator of physical reality um, to actually get to heaven with secret knowledge if you don't have those five tenets in your belief you're not really gnostic you're just sharing a tenet with gnosticism for the record we're doing actual Gnostics, while well, many there are left in the world, a huge favor by organizing their beliefs because in the first century they had competing ideas on right. how they should be interpreted. So Sethians, Valentinians, Marcionites, etc. So in any case, without further ado, let's let Tick talk. Hey, see what I did there? Tick talk? <laughs> All right, we're going to go back a little bit. The markets would shrink just like Marx, but that he would save Aryan mankind by creating a thousand-year Reich. Talking about Hitler. Again, complete nonsense, but the ability of a prophet to predict the future is a central tenant within the Gnostic faith. So, I mean, just pause right there just to say that the ability for a prophet to predict the future is a central tenant in pretty much every faith ever. So, just because a religion has prophets does not mean that it's Gnostic. One example of why he's, I think he's overstretching Gnosticism's influence. Not to say that Gnosticism isn't bad. Um, but, you know, just having a prophet doesn't make you Gnostic. Mm -hmm. And in order to understand it, we need to go back to early Christianity. It shouldn't be too controversial to say that Christianity comes from Judaism. And just like Islam, they're all Abrahamic religions. Well, I'm sorry to report that Gnosticism infiltrated Christianity, Judaism and Islam, as well as paganism and probably other religions too. 
Now, what I'm just going to pause in there to say, we don't deny that Gnosticism attacked Christianity and tried to mm-hmm. co-opt it. Um, plenty of uh, recorded history on that. In fact, a ton of biblical recorded history on that because many of the books of the Bible combat specifically Gnostic attacks on Christianity. So know that Christianity is an ancient enemy of Gnosticism um, and that this is not a, a new attack or a hidden attack or something that Christians have forgotten about. Any seminarian, anybody who studies the Bible is going to know about ancient Gnosticism and how it tried to attack Christianity. So um, we're well aware of the attack on Christianity, the attempted takeover, but we would say that Christians specifically refuted it. And that's why they have avoided the parasitical nature of Gnosticism because they recognized it and pushed it away. Um, But we'll let him continue. Mm -hmm. Atheism is not immune either, but it's been with Christianity since the very beginning because Gnosticism is a parasitic religion that latches onto other religions and corrupts them from within. It's not purely, like you mentioned, there are pure Gnostics out there that have yeah. their own weird sex. Yeah. But um, because it's kind of garbage, um, it survives in, in its twistings of other religions. But it, it, what, you know, like, there is pure Gnosticism out there that nobody follows. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So to the point, some do latch on, but it's not all a parasite. Not entirely all a parasite. I'm probably going to step on some toes here, but... I want you all to know that I come at this in good faith. So I'm letting you know this because you all need to be aware of the problem. With that disclaimer out of the way, St. Augustine is arguably one of the central figures in Christianity, and he was a Gnostic for 10 years. Break it down. Would you call St. Augustine a central figure in Christianity? I was thinking more like Jesus Christ, but... Yeah, or like some of the apostles. But I mean... No doubt St. Augustine is important. Is, is important, but Christianity was already around for 400 years before St. Augustine. So, like, it's already developed. You know, the United States has been around for, what, 250 years? And uh, we're pretty well developed. If somebody came around 100 years or 200 years from now, it'd be hard to call them core to the development of the United States because the United States is a culture that's been around forever um, before then. So, all that being said, um, mm-hmm. the thing that he just said, that St. Augustine was a Gnostic for 10 years, is patently false depending on your oh he's gonna get he's gonna get to that uh, is he yes he hasn't said that yet that he was a gnostic did he no i don't yeah, think he so. just did oh i must be Sorry. i must be i must be on another train <laughs> yes whoops Any, and also i want to clarify saint augustine or augustine was key in the latin church right not the eastern church yeah if you talk to the eastern orthodox they're like saint augustine oh that loser i mean he is important but they don't care about that much sometimes they, they don't even consider him a uh, saint or a doctor of the yeah. church they uh-huh. think they care more about john chrysostom or the cappadocian fathers and then they, he didn't even impact that, that much at all and the churches outside of the roman empire in persia or the rest of the middle east so it's just the latin west he's important but let's not overdo it but the patently false thing is that he was a gnostic for 10 years which is not true famously saint augustine was part of the manichaean cult um, which is a different religion entirely from christianity and from gnosticism is it is it Gnostic in some of its tenets? Sure, but it is not Gnosticism. It's actually more of a, a branch of Zoroastrianism than Gnosticism or Christianity. It has weird elect people. I mean, we've talked about Manichaeism before on this podcast too to get into detail, but like, uh-huh. it has some of that fleshly rejection, but so do a lot of religions. They've got like the monastic mm-hmm. orders that eat only certain things and whatever else. And so Manichaeans were founded by a prophet named Manny, um, and hence the word Manichaean, 
and they again mostly were Zoroastrian in their nature like they were dualists there was good and bad forces that were fighting each other and it was up to the believers to uh, make the good side win and not the bad side and things like that so he's not Christian and it was not uh, Gnostic really so he was Manichaean for 10 years loosely and then converted to Christianity mm-hmm not much to add it's a compl- it's a very different different group so in any case not Gnostic once he converted to Christianity, he wrote books against his former religion. Well, as a result, he rallied against St. John, calling the Book of John, the Book of Revelation, ridiculous fables. I am the man behind the book, supposedly. I have not been able to find this quote. I've, it's been tearing, inside, tearing at me, gnawing at me, excuse me. He's currently referencing the new science of politics but i don't think that's where this reference is from um, which is what's bothering you because yeah you bought one of his books not the new science of politics. yes the one he just quoted before gnosis and hermeticism in antiquity i think that's what it is i just bought it today because again it's been bothering me i can't find it <laughs> on the internet i know in his early life i think augustine had doubts about the book of revelation mm-hmm. but i don't think he rejected it considering he wrote the city of god which is almost a commentary on right. amillennialism and a lot of Presbyterians they quote Augustine because he's one of the most famous amillennialists out there so and what that means is to be an amillennialist you have to believe in the book of Revelation because you believe that the millennium is coming um, which is a concept only in the book of Revelation so that's you have you have to believe in he calls it the book of John nobody calls it the book of I've John because there are many other books of John. So it'd be super confusing because there's the Gospel of John uh-huh. and then there's the book of Revelation, which is written by John. And then there's John's epistles, which are called 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. So nobody calls Revelation the book of John. And he, Tick, will even make the mistake later of calling the Gospel of John the book of John. They're, so, so like Revelation and the book of John are, are different mm-hmm. books. Uh, but in any case, like you said, a lot of early church fathers um, questioned whether or not Revelation was um, true, the book of Revelation written by John. Um, was canon so that's not that surprising that he might have said something like this because even like you mentioned earlier today off camera that the eastern orthodox church didn't officially accept revelation into their canon until like 1000 AD. yeah yeah from this book i'm reading i'm actually reading see from andrew of, C- of caesarea uh eastern orthodox for one of the first commentaries in the book of revelation the lady who is married to who translated this married to an eastern orthodox priest commented again ruffling remembering after the year 1000 is when the Eastern Orthodox Church officially recognized the book of Revelation as canon and either the Armenian or the Georgian church, country Georgia, not the state of Georgia, mm-hmm. recognized Revelation around the year 1400 officially as part. That doesn't mean they, they didn't have it in churches. It just didn't say officially on paper. We recognize this as part of the official canon until the 1400s. So. so it's not super rare that somebody would be kind of questionable of Revelation, even even. Um... Martin Luther has quotes that are questioning Revelation, but that does not mean they're attacking John. They're questioning whether Revelation is actually John writing is what they're really saying because mm-hmm. they prolifically quote John in the Gospel of John mm-hmm. and in 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John all the time. Like St. Augustine, his probably his most famous doctrinal thing for the Christian church is um, the doctrine of election and um, perseverance of the saints and like election of, of saints, Calvinism, early Calvinism. And... Uh, that's all mostly derived from Romans, Paul, and then the Gospel of John. So he quoted John prolifically. It was not anti-John. He used John all the time for his mm-hmm. own doctrine pushes. Yep. So this this take on Christianity is already starting off on a really bad foot. Not only does he not know the Bible book names, because he got all this, the, the book of John, which is 
just confusing and weird. Um, but he's also saying a questionable quote from St. Augustine that isn't actually pitting Augustine against John. That's St. Augustine saying that, not me. And the reason he said that the book of John was ridiculous fables was because he recognised the Gnosticism within it. John was predicting the future using divine revelation. But <laughs> That's like the all the prophets in the Old Testament. I mean, I don't know what to say to that. I don't even know what to say to that. that that's not why St. Augustine was anti-revelation, if he was anti-revelation, which we can't <laughs> even confirm. Um, the reason anybody is usually anti the book of Revelation is because they don't know what to make of it. And so therefore, is it true prophecy? They're not questioning whether or not... Um, prophecy can't exist because of course the whole of the bible has prophecy all throughout it including the gospels that saint augustine would have been very pro um but was revelation true prophecy that was the real question mm -hmm. because john was a gnostic gnosis was okay. an accompaniment of christianity from its very beginnings its traces are to be found in saint paul and saint john okay i need to get this book now is that what <laughs> that is the new science of politics and and there here's our central complaint so yes he's getting details wrong about the books of the bible's name and also saint augustine's historicity and other things like that yes um, but here's the central attack on christianity because these are actual holy scriptures saint augustine you know whatever you could completely wipe history of saint augustine and i wouldn't really care um, i really care and christians really care about their actual actual scripture mm -hmm. from saint paul from saint john so this guy uh mr eric boiglin is saying that gnosis um central tenet of Gnosticism, the secret knowledge, is an accompaniment of Christianity from its very beginnings and can be found in Paul and John. So let's deep dive into that to see if John, the Apostle John, the Apostle Paul, really were secret Gnostics, or at least proto-Gnostics. They had some Gnostic elements. Um, we would argue that they were they knew about proto-Gnostic elements and they attacked them viciously. So be, they, nothing was sneaking in because they were specifically attacking proto-Gnostic beliefs. Um, let's start with the most obvious. I would say uh, John 1, one of the most famous passages of all the scriptures. First mm -hmm. John from the, from the true book of John, the Gospel of John, um, says the following. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That whole paragraph, I, I believe, is specifically designed to combat Gnosticism because John is connecting Jesus, who obviously Christians worship, with the true God and that the true God, Jesus and God are one and the same, made everything there is to be made. So physical things and spiritual things. And so this is a direct refutation against the Gnostic belief that the true God did not actually create everything, that the fake evil God made everything. And um, it's an attack on the fact that the evil God has overcome the true God for the time being, and that we need to escape the evil God because he says the light shines the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So that's this is from John, a direct refutation of Gnostic beliefs about God. And also, the word became flesh. I mean, he's dwelling among us. Mm -hmm. Also, some Gnostic sects would have denied that Jesus actually took on human form because human form is evil. It would just been like an apparition. Not right. all. Some would have so. Clearly, he is embracing that Jesus took on human flesh and was born. And, and we should stop to, to note that um, we especially can trust that, that John and uh, the writings of Paul are anti-Gnostic because there are pro-Gnostic books 
of the Bible that were rejected because they come, first of all, way after the original Gospels, but second of all, um, are super Gnostic. So it's not like we are unaware, or the church is unaware of Gnostically influenced texts. We have many of them. Um, and Sebastian's got like a list of them that he keeps on his phone all the time of like, <laughs> like the weird, he's read them too. Like you've actually read the Infancy Gospels of Tom or something. One of them you suggested that I read and I still have not because what a waste of time. But um, th- there are true Gnostic inspired fake gospels that um, try to be published, but they, they were never accepted. Like the secret book of John. Normally, when you put the word secret in front of it, that's how you know. That's for the Gnostics. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Red flags everywhere. So this is how, from the Lord of Light, as Jesus supposedly tells us to John, how the eons, which are like gods, are like emanations from the one true God that's unknowable, infinite. Not He's incomparable to anything. Let me see. This is the glory of... Barbelo, how the first emanation came to be. This is then is the first of powers prior to everything, arising out of the mind of the Father, the providence, pronoia of everything. Her light reflects his light. She is from his image in his light. Perfect in power. Image of the invisible perfect virgin spirit. She is the initial power, glory of Barbelo, glorious among the realms, glory of revelation. She gave glory to the virgin spirit. She praised him, for she arose from him. She is the universal womb. She is before everything. She is mother, father, first man, Holy Spirit, thrice male, thrice powerful, thrice named, androgynous, eternal realm, first to arise among the invisible realms. Ah, yes. Just like what we read from the, <laughs> the yes. Gospel of John. So again, androgyny is also a big theme in Gnosticism of like the true God isn't nor, neither male nor female and that we're trying to get, get back to this like oneness, nothingness with God. So that secret Gospel of John you know, that's clearly Gnostic. The true Gospel of John is explicitly rejecting Gnosticism. So when they say that St. John was a Gnostic and had traces of Gnosticism, know that he, it's totally not true, he was combating Gnosticism. And just to keep hitting the nail on the head, First um, John, so a different book of John, from chapter 4 says, This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ, again, the one Christian's worship, has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and now, even now is already in the world. Meaning, the enemies that reject Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, aka Gnostics, who, who hate the flesh and say God would never enter the flesh, those are the spirit of the Antichrist. John is explicitly calling out Gnostics, or proto-Gnostics in this case, because usually we consider Gnosticism a, a movement official, mm-hmm. um, not just its tenets. But he's explicitly attacking Gnostic tenets here again in First John. So again, is John Gnostic? No. And then even in, out of John 8, um, John quotes Jesus, and Jesus says the following. Jesus says, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, uh, you will die in your sins. And then he doubles down. He says it twice, not just once. It's just one part of John 8. I've gone over this before trying to show our Muslim friends that Jesus is saying that I am. Mm -hmm. It's not just some grammatical error. That is how the the Jews in the Old Testament rendered the Hebrew into Greek as from anihu into eroimi. From Isaiah 43, I'll just read it quickly. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, 
nor shall there be any after me. I, I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I would actually hold, argue that in other passages in Isaiah 2, Jesus is echoing back to this. Mm-hmm. He is, Jesus is saying, I am God, worship me. When everyone, everyone says, where did Jesus ever say, I'm God, worship me? Jesus just did yeah. in John 8, echoing back to the, he's saying he is the God of the Jews from the Old Testament. And, and even if you don't believe that G- John is correctly quoting Jesus, recognize that John is quoting Jesus, quoting the Old Testament. Um, and the Old Testament was considered by true Gnostics to be um, the evil God's lies and that Jesus was coming to correct the evil God's lies. And so when John directly connects Jesus to the Old Testament, claiming to be the same God as the Old Testament God, um, he is he's refuting Gnostic belief. Gnostics did not like the Old Testament, but John is connecting them. So once again, John is without a shadow of a doubt anti-Gnostic, not God. He doesn't have the accompaniment <laughs> of Gnosis. You know, none of that is in John. Again, he's a Gnostic fighter. For those that may be fans of Tick History, let me read from the secret book of John so that you don't just take it from what, what we're saying that this is anti-Gnostic. Mm-hmm. From the secret book of John, this is wisdom after many emanations down the line. Wisdom is at the bottom, getting farther and farther away from the one true God. She gives birth to another emanation, thinking she'd be cool and hip. And actually, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. It's actually straight from, from the book. She gave rise to a misshapen being unlike herself. Sophia, wisdom, saw that her desire produced, what her desire produced, it changed into the form of a dragon with a lion's head and eyes flashing lightning bolts. She cast him far from her, outside of the realm of the immortal beings, so they could not see him. She had created him in ignorance. Sophia surrounded him with a brilliant cloud, put a throne in the center part of the cloud so that no one would see it. She named him Yaldabaoth. Yaldabaoth is the chief ruler. He took great power from his mother, left her and moved away from his birthplace. He assumed command, created realms, the material universe for himself, with a material, with a brilliant flame that continues to exist even now. So that is how Yahweh was born, according to Gnostics from the Old Testament. How can I say this is the, how can I assert that Yaldabaoth is Yahweh? Well, keep going down the same book and hear the quote Yahweh, Yaldabaoth. He is blasphemous through his thoughtlessness. He said, I am God and there is no God but me, since he didn't know where his own power originated. So that's, that's Yahweh. Real, yeah, that's what real Gnosticism sounds like, is trying to discredit the God of the Bible, again, discrediting Isaiah 43, saying this God didn't know any better, um, discrediting and saying Jesus needed to discredit that God, whereas Christianity is connecting the two inextricably. So again, not Gnostic. So there's Gnostic gospel that's rejected. John, anti-Gnostic gospel, accepted. And then on St. Paul... I mean, there doesn't need to be much said because St. Paul has so much anti-Gnostic stuff that it's embarrassing. Um, but just just to keep kicking the dead horse, um, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, one of his many, many epistles um, about Christ and explicitly endorses and rejects, um, endorses physical world, the physical coming of Christ, the fact that Christ came physically and that God mm. created the physical world, rejecting those who would say that Jesus did not come in the flesh. Um, again, proto-Gnostics who said he came spiritually or whatever else, much like Hitler and other movements later. Um, here's 1 Corinthians from Paul. It says, But if it is preached that Christ has ri- raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
Again, those who say there's no resurrection of the dead, proto-gnostics, people who don't believe that God cares about the physical world, that we should be escaping it. Back to Paul. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are to be found false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. For if only, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So here's Christ. Uh, here's Paul absolutely rejecting uh, so-called Christians, protonostics, who believed that there was no physical resurrection because they hated the physical flesh. Again, that's mm-hmm. that's a Gnostic thing. So Paul was also not protonostic. He was explicitly anti-protonostic. He also ties the death of Jesus to atonement for sins. He says, mm-hmm. you know, if Christ has not been raised, your faith, is fut- your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Gnostics would say that Jesus didn't come to f- and save us from our sins, but rather to remind us of the one true God and yeah. bring us enlightenment. Yep. So once again, Gnosticism utterly rejected by all the teachings of St. Paul and St. John. So this quote from Voigtelin, don't know where he's getting it. Gnostic heresy was the great opponent of Christianity in the early centuries. Amen. As I said before, Gnosticism is a parasitic religion. It borrows in... Oh, look, it's what you said. Yeah, so here's him saying in the, in the caption... Tick says, some, like Martin Luther, don't think the book of John should be included in the Bible. That, this is his confusion here. He means revelation. He means the book attributed to John called revelation. The gospel of John, often called John or the book of John, so that's why this is confusing. <laughs> it's totally accepted by Martin Luther. He uses it fundamentally for his like main doctrinal thesis. Um, he means revelation. And Luther does accept revelation. He just questioned it along with James, but eventually he does accept them all. So it's not like he held forever that Revelation was bad because of Gnosticism, and nor did he think it was bad because it was Gnostic. He didn't like it because it was misused by, um, like, Credo-Baptists and others who used it to set up, like, weird cult kingdoms and Munster and mm-hmm. other places. That's the reason he doesn't like it, not because of any Gnostic origins. ...to other religions and corrupts them from within. Well, Christianity wasn't immune to this disease. The inclusion of the book of John had fateful consequences. You know, so he even has to parenthesize the book of John because it's really Revelation, not the book of John. For with the Revelation was accepted the revolutionary annunciation of the millennium in which Christ would reign with his saints on this earth. The book of John and other works by John as well as St. Paul have Gnostic ideas embedded within them. So here he says in the Apocryphon of John, Revelation, um, John describes Jesus as appearing and giving him secret knowledge, gnosis. It's not secret. You know, he tells him to proclaim it and write letters <laughs> to all the churches, and so John does, and the letter is widely distributed across the whole Christian world, and it's, again, widely published in your Bible, so it's not secret. Um, and again, special revelation, revelation given directly from God to one person, is the whole basis of most religions, so it's not Gnostic, it's just religious. And also, ironically, the book of Revelation is deeply tied to the Old Testament. So a lot of people misunderstand it because they don't have a clue about how the Old Testament works or what the symbolism was in the Old Testament. So the better you know the Old Testament, the better you will understand Revelation. So 
clearly there clearly it's not gnostic if it's echoing the old testament because you know right. the old testament is evil why would john who's a gnostic be quoting an evil book and the whole uh, what the hallmark of gnosis of gnostic gnosis is that it's like impossible to know like it's so much information you really have to like study under her guru for years and years and years um to even possibly attain it um whereas you can read the book of revelation in one night so it's not the thick thick um hindu style gurus that have endless words to tell you before you can even approach the first level of being able to unlock the superpowers of being able to get to heaven um, it's nothing like that John predicted a thousand-year reign by Christ, which is where Joachim of Flora got his ideas from, but he wasn't the only one. The Cathars, at about the same time as Joachim of Flora, also read the book of John, specifically chapter 1 verse 3, which said in their translation, All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made. What was made in him was life. If we follow their logic, the Cathars believed that God created all things, and that without him nothing was made by the devil. I'm just I'm just looking okay. at both at both to see if there's any Yeah, I mean that's that's a totally normal translation of first John or of John one. Um, again, not also the book of John, a different book of John than Revelation, but this is a totally orthodox Christian belief that Jesus made everything, that God made everything, and that nothing was made by the devil, meaning combating combating Gnosticism. The Cathars, and in this translation, aren't proving themselves to be Gnostic. Plus, Cathars, very uh, maligned group in history, so it wouldn't be surprising if there are some false beliefs attributed to them. Um, they're one of those people groups that were totally destroyed and we really don't have many first party accounts of what they believed and therefore i don't trust a lot of the attributed beliefs that are attributed to cathars but in any case this translation of first john is like or of john one is totally normal totally normal and yeah. anti-gnostic yeah were they really gnostic i i, I don't know the, the inquisition they tend to overdo things or attribute false things to groups of people right. like decent people like the waldensians who would come later later yes later and, and just to go back to his previous point, on the thousand year of Christ, um, that is, again, specific to the book of Revelation, um, or as he calls it, the book of John. Uh, but that thousand year reign um, is not Gnostic. It's Christian. And so Giacomo Flora and the Nazis and whoever else come up with a thousand year reigns copying Christianity. It's not copying Gnosticism. So just because the Nazis incorporate some Gnostic beliefs doesn't make them Gnostic, one. But two, just because they incorporate a Christian belief doesn't suddenly make the Christian belief Gnostic because of like the transitive property. That's not how it works. So Nazis and, and Giacomo Flora and whoever else, they stole the millennium reign from Christianity, not from Gnosticism. Yeah. And ultimately, what does God do at the end of Revelation? Oh, yeah. He makes a physical new heavens and new earth. Right. But I say physical new heavens and the earth yep so not fading away into the one true the lord of light or whatever it may be so pretty decidedly not gnostic and once again it's nothing none of it is secret knowledge gated or anything like that and they also interpreted the meaning of the word nothing to mean the material visible world which could be inferred from elsewhere in the scripture the soul had fallen into the world of matter which was nothing compared to the real world of god that's why the Cathars were Gnostics. They also... Okay, but that's... 
their translation is a normal translation. You're saying their interpretation of their translation is some weird thing where nothing doesn't mean nothing. Nothing means... Um, matter? Matter. That's really odd. That doesn't doesn't jive. I agree. That interpretation of um, John 1 is not right. So believed that the serpent had intercourse with Eve, which is why men were corrupted. This is a Gnostic <laughs> belief. Now, I don't know if the Catholics really believed it, but it is sort of Gnostic. I'm trying to think if it was Seth. No, I don't think it's. I don't think it's Sethians because from this book, this book, it's actually Yaldabaoth that first knocks knocks out Adam, trying to steal the the light from him, and then he tries to rape Eve, and trying to steal the light of the tr one true God from her. So I don't know what the snake. I cannot. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think. I, I don't think it's Yaldabaoth is the snake. No, no, no. The they devil. say the snake was sent by the one true God to save humans. That's why. All right, to give that's, them gnosis, yeah, right? Yes, that's why the early church thought Gnosticism was satanic because they were saying the snake was the good guy yeah. telling Eve and Adam to eat the fruit because you will gain true knowledge of the real God and you will realize that Yahweh is a fake and imposter, yeah. buffoon. So the the serpent, Satan, was the nice guy. I mean, I'm like. This seems a bit on the nose for the devil to do to do that. It does seem. Another idea borrowed from John. They believe. Where in the world <laughs> is that borrowed from John? Like I would love to get some some quoting there. The only thing I can possibly think of connecting Eve or women to the serpent is one section of the Book of Revelation where the serpent wages war against um, Israel, but you know the woman who births mankind. Um, symbolically, um, but he rages against her and tries to destroy her. That there's no rape involved, one, no children involved, nothing like that. She's she's laboring. Israel is laboring and getting to give birth to Christ, and so Satan hates her and tries to destroy Christ. Doesn't even try to destroy Israel; tries to destroy Christ um, with a flood. So like that isn't <laughs> Eve or the serpent at all. Believe that Christ's body was only an illusion, that he was actually spiritual or divine, as was true. Mary. And they got these ideas from groups in the Balkans, who probably got this idea from the Syrian Christians, all of whom embraced Gnosticism from ancient times. He's talking about, I think they're called uh, Polisians or Bogomilists, mm -hmm. Slavic. Are they really Gnostics? You know, at this point, I don't know, since yeah. you know a lot of stuff is fabricated against people back then, just slanders and insults. They may, they may well have been, but but yes, what he's saying is true, that some groups did believe that Jesus was just a hologram or, or a spirit, an illusion. Like, <laughs> the, the, the channel that we, that we watch, um, James White, Alpha and Omega Ministries, talks about how he equates it to, you know, like how there's no... no um, the footprints on the sand following oh, yeah. <laughs> that that classic um non-bible story where like you're walking on the the beach and you're going god where are you and you look back and it was only one set of footprints because god had been carrying you the whole time like, the gnostic <laughs> jesus you look back and there's no footprints because he's not real <laughs> anyways whatever that's a nerdy christian joke um uh, but in this, in this point, Tick is right, even if he doesn't attribute, like, I don't know if it truly is properly attributed to the Bogomilis or the Cathars um, or even Syriac Christians, because Syriac Christians weren't all Gnostics. 
you know, there are sects of people who followed many heresies throughout all time. Um, but the rejection of the physical world is definitely a Gnostic tenet. Mm-hmm. And um, again, as we just proved, the book of John, the gospel of John and first John and um, Revelation itself and Isaiah and first Corinthians all connect the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament and endorse physical reality. So very anti-Gnostic in that way. So heretical groups, if the Bogomilis and Cathars did reject the physical world, they were anti-Bible, they were anti-Christian, they were really a different religion. Mm -hmm. Times. However, Gnosticism evolved over time. At first, it was all about salvation after you die, but at some point they decided that men should save themselves on Earth and could do this via progressive action. This is perhaps where Yocama Flora comes in, saying that man can build a heaven on Earth, which would allow the Holy Spirit to descend and save your soul. Now, here's a point that he's probably missing because it might be kind of more obscure niche Christianity. But I, I believe strongly that the the heaven on earth pitch from people like Karl Marx, like the Nazis, like third positionists, like Giacomo Flora, is actually from um, post-millennialist beliefs and amillennialist beliefs from Christianity about a coming paradise on earth, the millennial reign of Christ. It's not from Gnosticism. So you say that Revelation is Gnostic. We're saying it's Christian. Um, but that other religious people steal ideas from Christianity for their own purposes. So yes, they steal from Revelation to promote heaven and earth kind of things. Um, which again, Christians believe that Christ will reign for a thousand years, whatever that exactly means, you know, up to your interpretation, but that he'll reign for a thousand years and there will be paradise on earth. Hence, you know, the hope of the Christian faith is living in paradise forever. Um, but that's, that's, that's other beliefs stealing from Christianity, not from Gnosticism, so... Yes, considering that Europe had been Christian for a thousand years, I find it more likely that the National Socialists, Communists, they try to steal from Christianity instead of stealing from Gnosticism, which were like two people in right. all of Europe. Gnosticism had, had lost at that point, right? So Christianity was the thing. So they were stealing from the popular belief, not the dead belief. Well, by the time you get to the 1500s, we start getting into the Renaissance period, which is traditionally seen as a different period by historians. The Middle Ages, hint, it's in the name, are seen as the middle period of history. Why is that? Well, Eric Vogelin says, The conception of a modern age succeeding the Middle Ages is itself one of the symbols created by the Gnostic movement. It belongs to the class of the Third Realm symbols. It's, it's such a weird take by Voigelin again, because, um, like Sebastian just said, if it's the year 1500s in the Renaissance, um, it's been a while since Gnosticism was popular. You know, Christianity has dominated for at least a thousand years, um, give or take, in Europe. And so I agree that they that, that Renaissancers pompously called the earlier ages the middle ages because they were counting from christ was the earliest age the ancient days Mm -hmm. and then the middle ages were all the time up until the their current time and now they were enlightened and so then now they were the modern age yes that's pompous it's arrogant whatever we shouldn't do it today shouldn't have done it back then Um, but that's not gnostic so like progressivist um kingdom come movements often say that the past is in the past and now is the time for the kingdom of heaven but that's not Gnostic per se. That's just like any group that wants to bring heaven on earth revolutionary style um, does that. So yeah, enough said. Yep. <laughs> so I did, it's not Gnostic. This is where, again, Tick is, is co-inflating the Gnostic movement, or I guess Voigtland is co-inflating the Gnostic movement with normal movements throughout U.S. history or 
world history and U.S. history. Uh, th these are natural tendencies of man. You could call them natural tendencies of the enemy <laughs> um, to try to corrupt man. Um, but it's not. They don't always use Gnostic things. So this, the idea of progress is not a Gnostic thing. Gnostics yeah. can use it, but I mean, yeah. it's not Gnostic. If anything, this is more like a prideful movement because mm -hmm. the Renaissance people, they're like, well, we're rediscovering these lost sciences, art, uh, mathematics, etc. that was lost after the fall of the Roman Empire. That's really what they considered in the 1500s, what they considered the Middle Ages to be between the 500 to right. them. There's like, this is this dark period in which this beautiful empire exploded, science was lost, arts were lost. Not really because of the Carolingian Renaissance, which I think was far more significant than the Renaissance we all know. That's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. So it was just in their boastfulness and pride that people in the middle in the 1500s thought it's like, oh, we're going to call this the Middle Ages because this is bad time, bad right. time, bad time in the past. But again, it doesn't make Christianity Gnostic. Or them. The reason why is because humanist, Protestant and Enlightenment intellectuals began to express their consciousness, gnosis, and gnosis means knowledge. Consciousness is like I guess knowledge that you are yourself, so I suppose. But that's 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 not what no the secret knowledge is not that you are yourself. Gnosis is like that you aren't yourself, right? The the Gnostic belief is that you are actually God and you have to go back to him. Whereas consciousness isn't is is separating yourself from God. Like, mm -hmm. that's the opposite of the Gnostic concept of Gnosis. As being the new truth. Thus, there were three ages of history. Ancient, Middle, and Modern. In fact, the Reformation, the English Civil War, and many of the revolutions and movements we've seen throughout modern history, including the Communist and Third Positionist movements, have been as a result of this Gnostic take on history and Gnosticism in general. So I'm going to stop him here because now he's just going to go on to, to more straight politics stuff. But I hope that anybody listening can see that his takes on Christianity are misinformed. He doesn't even know the right books, unfortunately. Um, and that the books of the Bible actually combat all the Gnostic beliefs he's talking about. And that the, there are a few beliefs that he believes are Gnostic that are just not Gnostic. If Gnosticism can be defined as anything, it can't be defined as everything. And so um, I think this is a fair refutation of, of Tick here. Again, we, we like Tick. We like his channel. I think he has really good things to say about economics and war in general. And typically, I think he's, he's right in defining National Socialism and a lot of these other movements as religions. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. But I think you should realize the nuance that they aren't actually Gnostic. They just have some Gnostic elements because we as Christians fundamentally believe that there is war between heaven and hell. There's war between God and those who hate God. And so those who hate God aren't that creative. They use a lot of the same tactics because they worked before. And so they will steal tenants um, from previous movements that worked well, but didn't didn't quite cut the mustard and, and try to change them up just a little bit for the, the modern age, for whatever the current year is. And so it's not surprising that old tactics are reused, but that doesn't mean that it is the same old faith. It's, it's a different faith. It's a new one with some of these same old tenants, just like you know, chocolate cake is not the same as um, chocolate pudding. They both have chocolate, but spin off of another one. You wouldn't call them the same thing. We would say, again, this is for the found cause, that Satan just recycles things that he used in the past. It's the same things. Yep. Any last takes, Sebastian? Again, great channel on politics, history, military tactics. I will continue watching it despite the sad take on Christianity. Yeah, 
so just 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 for the clearing i really like diving into gnosticism as strange as it sounds because it used to be uh the greatest enemy of the christian faith in the first 200 more or less 200 years so it was just a little bit discouraging to see how you know he yeah. see he sees gnosticism in everything pretty much for for the, for this video but otherwise i i hope that this was useful to any Christian that watches his channel is interested in Gnosticism and its relationship with Christianity. And again, more than happy also to put sources if they are requested in the comment section so that you you see that we're not just making things up just for mm -hmm. to hit on someone or you know, punch someone down or anything like that. So. So that's why we found our cause in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been Michael Bay behind the machine and to my right has been Sebastian, the bookkeeper. If you want to see the rest of our episodes, you got to go to foundcause.podbean.com where you can download them all for listening pleasure. That's audio only though. If you want to see our beautiful faces and the beautiful face of Tick History, you're going to have to go to YouTube or facebook.com forward slash foundcause. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you may find your podcast. So until next time, we'll be talking about something probably completely different. Although there are other history channels that have bad takes on Christianity, like What If All Test and others. Mm. I enjoy, but like, terrible mm -hmm. takes on christianity they're like absolute garbage it makes me question the rest of their beliefs even though like i think the other beliefs are mostly founded but their take on christianity is always so wrong that it's like huh? okay Anyways. i guess you guys know what we're gonna be commenting on next uh, we'll see <laughs> so until next time we talk about something maybe related uh bye bye